Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. Ladies, today's topic is going to be about small talk, specifically the water cooler conversations we had at work, which I know we all had to deal with. Whether you want to call it small talk or water cooler conversation, these moments for short conversations can actually be a really impactful way to build rapport with someone, um, especially at work. Okay, but let's talk about the specific small talk conversations that we did have in our respective corporate environments. That's a topic we haven't discussed on this podcast yet, and it's a big part of office culture. When I think about small talk, especially in the context of work, to me, it feels like forced conversation. Oof. I can't help but be reminded of those moments, like like the moments that you mentioned, Janet, or the moments right before you walk into a meeting room, before the meeting begins, and you sit down mm. next to a coworker whom you have very little in common with, but that's the only seat that's open. It's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> or you sit down next to your boss who might have a certain air about them. Mm. There is a feeling mm. of filling the silence and forcing conversation with these individuals, right? And I'm curious to hear what your small talk conversations at work were like. I mean, all of us have different backgrounds. I worked in finance, Janet, in a slightly more lax UX design space, and Mel in a much more relaxed fashion or social media space. So Mel, why don't you kick Mm -hmm. us off? What did you find yourself always small talking about with your coworkers? This is so funny because I think um, speaking like forced conversations, I'll get to the small talk bit, but like... I think the one the one reason why small talk gets a little awkward, and maybe it's in my my in working in social media and fashion. After you hit small talk, you're always so. There's some people that would be, that would ask you like, "What is your Instagram handle?" And I'm just like, "Oh, we're, we got to that oh. point." And it gets awkward. <laughs> and speaking of small talk, since I still follow some of these people from work, whenever I see their stories pop up, I'm just like, "Oh, I remember that awkward conversation I had. I remember talking about this with you." <laughs> so it's a constant reminder of those corporate days. Um, but I think working in, uh, I, I will say working fashion and, and social, it's it's fun to some ways because a lot of the things I had to talk about was media. Um, like, 
I'll be real. Like one thing I always had to know and do and like just be aware of was I had to know all the reality stars, all the contestants, all the leads on The Bachelor. I had to know all the desperate housewives and yeah, that got kind of yeah. I don't I don't know. For me, like I definitely love reality TV shows. And, you know, I definitely sat through multiple seasons of The Bachelor, but it's a different level when you when you're at the office. And again, like most of my coworkers were women who are really into these type of shows. So like that was our way to bond. And for The Bachelor series, I remember I had to know everyone because um, we worked with them a lot on social media campaigns. So they would come to the office and I had to be like, Mm. you know, be very accommodating and be like, oh, my God, you're. Oh, my gosh. And be really excited because I think sometimes, like, people in the office are, like, extra excited. Like, I remember we had, like, Lauren Bushnell or something. Or she's one of, like, the contestants. And to be honest, like, I wasn't – she wasn't, like, my favorite contestant. But I had to show – it's, like, showing this equal amount of excitement when you're with this – with these. You had to match their energy. (laughs) Oh, man. I think that was the exhausting thing. Like, Mm. I remember, because when I moved over to social media, like, when I worked in the production or the fashion, like, photography area, like, it, it was, like, mostly, it was a, it was a mix. Like, there were guys, there were girls, like, we talked about everything, it was fine. But once I moved over to the social media department, and I worked on the marketing, and I worked with the PR girls, PR, social, like, that is where you get the, like, oh my god, oh my god, like, Erica Jane, like, very that type of conversation. Mm. And there are moments Mm. where, like, I definitely will say, I have that level. But sometimes... I have to, like, squeal a little louder, you know what I mean? And it gets kind of awkward for me. Um, it's just a battle. Yeah, and it, <laughs> I can see. I remember because everyone one time we were, we were freaking out, or they were all freaking out because we landed this desperate housewife for this campaign. And I was like, who? But I had to be very – everyone was, like, super bending backwards, and I had to be very excited and show that – that type of level of like, oh my god, I'm so invested in this. I'm gonna do a really good job, and and but deep down, I was like, I don't really care. Like, but you kind of have to like, you know, like yeah, play, play that, that game. Card. You gotta play that game. Yeah, it's funny yeah. because I feel like amongst the three of us, Mel, you are the most like that I when am. it comes to these reality shows. Janet and I are just like, okay, Mel, you you do your thing, <laughs> you know, you feel it out. But I can't imagine you being in an environment where you're thinking that to other people. Like those people are mm. definitely. Like, yeah, times like 10 that it sounds like I, I don't know if I can handle that. So imagine that. And also, I don't know. Um, I don't know if everyone else has uh, does this at their corporate office. I see on other people's Instagram stories, but I didn't mind this. But like another thing we leaned into like to bond with the team was like we did like the Bachelor Fantasy League. Like people do like the football league ah, thing. We did like, mm-hmm, who do you think? Yeah, which yeah. contestant do you think is going to make it to the next episode? Like we definitely lean into that. And that was our way to like get everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, that's so funny. Yeah, not gonna lie, I I do watch The Bachelor and the it's whole the whole franchise, and I wouldn't mind that conversation at work. I would love to do a fantasy um, situation. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. I was gonna say, Mel, hearing you describe in detail your experience, now I kind of see and understand where your enthusiasm for reality TV comes from. I don't think you're probably obviously as extreme as you know you were when you worked in the industry, but. Um, I don't know. Now it makes sense a little bit more. I have more insight into your yeah <laughs> into your interests. I think the last thing I will say that one like piece of conversation that I had to always be aware of is working in fashion. I always had to know all the award shows too. Like 
We had to do mm. like a, a roundup on the red carpet. Who's what? What's who's wearing what? And things like that. So I always had to be like, oh, like the MTV Music Award or like whatever. Like that was something I had to be aware of. Um, I would say in general, like all this stuff is really fun. Like I think everyone who knows me again, like you guys mentioned, I do love reality TV. But I think sometimes to turn it to turn it up a not like times five for me, it could be a little like forceful. I will say. Yeah. And there yeah. are times I can totally see that. And then every time I'm just like. Oh my god! Like this is happening. Like I, <laughs> I, I felt a part of me that's like I feel so basic right now, mm, and I already okay. know I'm a little basic. But like, I'm like basic AF. Like that's the feeling I get sometimes <laughs> after these conversations. And like, this is my way to bond, though. Like I had to bond with some like the girls. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that I think that makes that sense. was my my world back in the day. <laughs> Working at, you know, a fashion company. It's funny because I feel like everything you're saying fulfills the stereotype of what people imagine small talk conversations mm. would be like in a fashion type of workplace. Yeah. And you just confirmed it for us. For sure. <laughs> and I will say this. It's not like I never I didn't work for a high fashion company. We're not we're talking about couture. It's about where I sold shoes based on subscription. <laughs> so just like I'll be that's just the, sh- be, the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god to this day we still talk about that social media post i had to do my gosh um my environment of obviously in my water cooler conversations were very different than mm-hmm. helen um mm-hmm. helen whenever you talk about your random combos at work i'm always like what like it's just so different so i would love to hear about what did you have what did you talk about work it's the complete opposite of what you were talking about it's funny because I, I wonder if it's like grass is greener and that I'd rather mm. be in that environment talking about The Bachelor and turning it up 10 notches just to match the energy of the other people around me. But mm-hmm. imagine dumbing down your energy like 10 times. <laughs> so for me, I worked in a very buttoned up old school corporate office setting. Uh-huh. And I feel like topics always circled around one, sports. In an office setting that had more white men, white men, than any other race and gender combination combined, sports came up very often. Very stereotype. That's the stereotype too, mm-hmm. right? Of these corporate office mm-hmm. settings. And if you knew how to talk sports, and they didn't expect you to know how to talk sports, you would be part of the in crowd. Like you would see people's eyes light up, and you'd get someone who'd go from, "Oh, hey, how's that report going?" to Oh my God, did you see that game? Wasn't that crazy? What'd you think about it? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's go get coffee and talk about it later. You know, it's like it's like night and day. And I get it, you know, from their end, they're trying to find someone, something to relate mm-hmm. to you on. And mm-hmm. when you can speak the same language as some of these people in the office, they're excited. Like, I get it. I feel mm-hmm. like I would feel the same way if someone came up to me and said, oh, hey, did you hear about Michelle Yeoh getting an Oscar nomination mm-hmm. for Everything Everywhere all at once? Or hey, do you watch Pink Lives? I'd be like, what? I see you in a completely different light and I like you now, you know? So I get it. Sports was a big small talk conversation piece Mm -hmm. in the office and most of the guys would do fantasy football Mm. instead of fantasy bachelor, fantasy (laughs) football. There might have been a few women involved, but it was mostly men. Um, Super Bowl squares was something that more people participated in, including myself. And I did appreciate that everyone was always invited to participate in that. Mm. They tried not to be exclusive. And when I say they, it's in reference to certain guys that had similar interests, you know, no kids, living Mm. more of a bachelor lifestyle. And I've been in many office settings. And while some offices were more diverse and well-integrated than others, some offices definitely had this more prominent, quote-unquote, they group of men. Mm. So sports was a big one. Um, And secondly... 
I'm going to watch myself here instead of saying old. I'm going to say classic white people. (laughs) (laughs) Classic white people music was something that was brought up often. References to like the Beatles, Rolling Stones, the Bee Gees. Mm. I don't know. I feel like those references came up pretty often. And Mm. as much as I enjoy the chill vibes of the Beatles, I never really got into them. Mm. Just it just wasn't my generation too. Mm -hmm. And there was one time I was in a meeting and someone mentioned, I think it was a song, Don't Let Me Down, Mm -hmm. which is I know it's a huge song, but at the time I didn't know which song they were referring to. And so I said, I said, which song is that? And I just remember everyone was like, what? Like, are you human? Are you hiding under a rock or something? Who are you? And it became this group mentality of people fueling each other and almost becoming condescending towards me for not knowing it. I would just say, since we're talking about pop culture, small talk, all of this stuff, when, when someone doesn't know a reference that you're making, don't make them feel bad about it, you know? Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. they're not interested or maybe mm-hmm. they just don't have the time. But anyway, long story short, Beatles, Bee Gees, I can't hold a conversation on that. And I feel like knowing that small talk or having that fandom would have given me a bit of a leg up in certain boardrooms where it was mm-hmm. mentioned. So sports and old or classic white people music was something that was <laughs> is, brought up is, quite often. It was very interesting. Wait, when you talk about sports, Helen, like, I'm curious. Like, was it like, like, were they talking about, like, it was only football and, like, basketball? Or did they even talk about basketball? Was it all, like, golf? Like, or is it just all sports? Yeah, what type of, what type of sports? Yeah, I mean, mostly football, basketball, even mm. some, like, hockey, um, but baseball. Mostly all sports and whatever is the major leagues and mm. what's going on on tv um what season is in but yeah basically all sports oh my gosh honestly i would not survive in the social ecosystem of that environment at all (laughs) like i don't know shit about sports i was like yeah basketball steph curry that's that's all i can really (laughs) contribute like i don't i'll stay in my reality show lane where i could be like oh my god erica jane or something i don't know yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there was a part of me that that thought to myself, well, if it makes you feel because it made me feel uncomfortable anytime sports got mm-hmm. brought up and mm-hmm. it was, you know, if I was the minority and there were a lot more people that wanted to talk about it, I always felt like mm-hmm. I had to, OK, like shrink away from the conversation. And there was a part of me that at one point thought, OK, Helen, just start watching sports. Just start becoming mm-hmm. more involved in the conversation. Like maybe this is considered part of work to mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. you know, part of that conversation. And I just couldn't get myself into it. It, d- it felt forced. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel authentic. It wasn't me. So then I, you know, had to figure out, okay, may- maybe I have to be the first one to dictate conversation to bring it somewhere else before mm. sports came into the conversation. Mm. And that became sort of a strategy that helped me to survive in the workplace. That's a mm. very good tactic. That's a good, yeah, that's a good tip to give people is to try to guide the conversation if, if it feels like it's a topic that you're not necessarily interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Bachelor, anyone here watch The Bachelor? <laughs> Honestly, that is a very common show like to really get everyone on the same page. Speaking yeah. from experience. <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. 
Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Well, I'm curious about you, Janet, because you're sort of in this like not too lax, but still lax, you know, advertising culture. What was your experience like in that in that world? Yeah, well, I would say there were kind of like two industries where the the culture was kind of similar. One was advertising. And then when I transitioned into UX, I worked um, at a tech company that specialized in streaming media. Mm. Both companies Um, had very young employees. And, you know, it's kind of different. Helen, you're saying you have like kind of these older generation Beatles, Bee Gees. Mine were like Gen Zers. And mind you, you know, because my career shifted, I was maybe a good like five, seven years older than a lot of people there. Um, I look, I mean, I'm Asian. So people just thought I was like younger and they would come and talk to me about like Coachella and like the, you know, biggest viral video that just happened, the newest meme. Um, And I was always like, kind of you guys know me I'm not I'm not the most like clued into like you know like the younger generations like media and stuff so yeah it was a lot of pop culture references and also particularly like white male as well like younger white male mm-hmm. I would say kind of like Mel your um your coworkers were probably dating my coworkers at the time like that was kind of the demo mm-hmm. that yeah <laughs> now I want to know what they talked about yeah. like what like what different besides like different topics Jay like I mean it, it's a lot of just like if you think about like kind of like YouTube culture, you have a lot of people on YouTube who have really like substantial followings, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very possible for people in pop culture to not have ever heard of them. Like they're kind of like niche people, right? So that's kind of like these like younger people that will have their person that they follow that maybe it's like a small group that follows and they might talk about it. I'm like, I have no idea who this person is, but they, you know, signed a contract with our company and like they have their own like video series or stuff like that. So I, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of, um, a lot of just like younger white male energy mm. that I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> also, in a lot of these companies, I had just moved from San Francisco to L.A. And the social culture is so different. San Francisco is all about tech. For me, I also worked a little bit in social enterprise work. Um, and that was very different from coming to L.A. where a lot of the office conversations were about entertainment and media and award shows. Oh, man. All right. Well, we sort of covered the small talk conversations in our respective corporate jobs that made us feel a little more on the uneasy side. But of course, everything is about balance. Small talk doesn't have to be so bad. It can Mm -hmm. be rich fodder for water cooler conversation, whether you're in the office working from home and breaking the ice via video calls or meeting someone for the first time. Small talk can actually be very beneficial to you and your relationships. Yeah, so short or seemingly unimportant conversations actually provide opportunities to bond with coworkers by learning tidbits about their life. Like, you know, what activities, music, or shows are they into? What are they looking forward to? Paying attention and remembering these small details and bringing up past conversation topics will add up and help create a sense of connection. It's similar to making friends, but in a professional setting. So for me, one thing that I think works really well 
if you're in a situation that you don't know what to bring up to connect with someone, and this may be biased, but I will say when you bring up anything media related, really helps to connect with someone because I'm pretty sure, like, I don't want to say all of us, but a majority of us, you know, have access to Netflix or shows uh, or like likes to consume something outside of work. So something media always works. And again, I'm not saying this because we're podcasters, but I remember podcast was a way for me to really connect with my coworkers and see what they're interested in. Like, um, also, I kind of use like my group of friends to gauge what my coworkers might like because my friend, my my peers are also working in corporate and to see what they talk about. So, for example, podcast was really huge. Like they're talking about like, oh, I listen to NPR up first. I listen to Freakonomics, like all these things. Mm. Or talking about the latest crime show, like Serial or whatever. And so. This is a great conversation starter because you really see, like, what is the niche things these people are really interested in. And I kind of feel like that's how the three of us actually bonded outside of work because I think when you're working in an office, you could you can't, like, pull up a movie or things like that. You have to listen to things that are subtle. So podcast was something the three of us were like, oh, we listen to oh, this podcast, and we kind of bonded on that topic because outside of work, mm-hmm. I don't remember talking about podcasts with a group of girlfriends. And, and it was only you two. Again, I think pop culture... People are like, you know, paying up, you know, keeping up with the news on Twitter. So pop culture is a really great way to kind of like bring up topics to like connect with. Like, again, we said Bachelor, like I, I, I may make a joke about it, but it works. You know, it does work. Yeah. So talking about what's current um, and I do want to share an experience I had in my, my, my most recent job before ABG and that was working at Jubilee. And Jubilee is great because they're very empathetic and they all of them there are really into media. Like there's a bunch of directors there and it allowed me to like lean into my interest a bit more. So for example, like I love media, whatever, and all that stuff, but then like they were really into films. And so I learned that like I in order for me to really connect with the directors, which is like a third of my team, I needed to watch more movies, which really helped me just kind of learn and like um gain more um I guess vocabularies to pull from and like things I could talk about like oh the directors I know what movies they made and so it really allowed me to bond and create this really good connection with them which then actually helped um, like build this trust and this really great workflow because with social media I'm always working with them and trying to promote whatever shows they have out so maybe lean into these interests and see how they could benefit you within your industry and maybe could even help you grow your connections with your with your peers your your coworkers or even with your interests within yourself so Media for me is always a best way, a good, good like bucket to pull from in terms of topics. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mel, I totally, I completely agree with that. I think that there's a lot of like shows that if mentioned universally, most people will have something to say about, or even if they didn't watch the most recent episode, they, you know, saw a news article about it or some like post about it in one of their feeds. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned, when I worked at the like tech company, we specialized in like streaming media. So before the time, I really didn't watch very much TV. But once I started working there, I started watching a lot of content. Mm -hmm. And as a tip for some people, if you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not really into like streaming videos, blah, blah, blah. Just focus on like one or two platforms that are the biggest, like in the US and California, particularly Netflix and Hulu. Mm -hmm. Like if you kind of go on there, you'll most likely find some sort of show or movie or series that you will find fascinating or interesting. And this type of content is great for the work environment. So yeah, just as a a tip, like if you're in a different country, maybe find whatever the most popular Mm -hmm. streaming platforms are, it's probably a good starting point. And I feel like that's that's also just sort of an important skill. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would call it a skill because you're just sitting there watching TV, but I think it's important uh, an important social skill to have, not just mm-hmm. in the workplace, but even amongst your friends too, to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. 
That's true. That's true. That knowledge helps you. I mean, if you like go out to happy hour at a bar and you you know meet a random group of people, knowledge of like shows that you're mm-hmm. watching helps you connect. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's also because um, I think when we talk about shows, and I also want to add to when I say media, books are also another way of consumption. Like I actually, yeah, I bond with Ashley, who's our team member, about books because she doesn't watch that much TV, but we're always reading the same like mm. Colleen Hoover books or like Taylor Jenkins yeah, Reid. So yeah. there's another way to like connect um, with your team members, but. I, I do think it is a skill because what happens – what at first when you're talking about these shows or connecting on these shows, you're not talking – you're first talking about like, oh, my God, you watched this? That was so crazy. But the conversation ends up turning like, what would you do in this situation? How about you? Like you place yourself in these conversations mm-hmm. in these situational type of things and you kind of, kind of like – that sparks different conversations. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I do I think it's a skill. Most yeah. Definitely. Well, outside of media or TV shows or movies – there are other ways that you can bond with your coworkers. Um, another topic would be any general interests or hobbies that you might have. Can you ladies think of any examples from your past jobs where an interest or a hobby helped you connect with others? Well, to be honest, um, if you have worked with me, all my coworkers know that the first question I've always asked, probably around 11 a.m. when lunchtime's about 10 an hour, I always ask, what do you have for lunch? Mm. I've been asking those questions since I was in high school. Um, as a child, I remember thinking that you see your superiors as something so different, but food is a way to kind of get an insight into their life because you ask them, like, what did they cook? Did they go out to dinner with their friends or their family? And like, I don't know why that was always my thing. So at work, you see like, who are the people that like to cook at home and what do they like to cook? Are they exploring different options? Are they the type to always buy Trader Joe's for lunch? And like, that's a conversation itself. Cause you're like, oh, you don't have time to cook. Oh, why is that? Or, um, are you, are, did you not want to cook or is it just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like food is always like my conversational starter. And in my past mm-hmm. job, um, it was pretty diverse in terms of like, cultures and backgrounds. And I always thought it was really cool when people would see what I'm eating. Cause I would make a lot of Asian food. They're like, Oh my gosh, Mel, what is that? And then for mm-hmm. me, it was a chance to kind of like share my culture with them. And I'd bring extra food for them next time. Like, Oh, I made chow mein or I made udon and I love for you to try this. And then that sometimes that would lead me to be like, oh, let's definitely grab dinner. I could show you a place in K-Town I really like. So I think sometimes food is a way to connect. Um, and kind of also yeah. get ideas of like, you know, what you just like, I don't know. It helps you paint a picture of like who they are as a person. That's just for me, though. So that's my experience. I think similarly for me, food was also a big yeah, safe conversation to have mm. asking, you know, oh, what are you having for lunch today? Are you going out for lunch? Where are you going? Have you tried the new ramen spot down the street? Oh, what do you get there? Mm. Oh, do you like pork? There was <laughs> That was always, you know, easy, small talk that tended to work well for that surface level conversation in the office. And I think, Janet, just you asking this question, I don't know why this, this like, this entire topic feels difficult for me to reflect upon and think about what what did I talk to people who are not my close friends in my office about? And I think it's because in, in my mind, there are many layers to this. I think even Mel, when you were saying, you know, oh, I asked people, oh, you're not bringing lunch to work or is it because you don't have time to cook? Or I'm even thinking like if those questions were asked, it would it would unearth a lot of um, their their qualms with the workplace about how they're working too hard and Mm. yeah I don't have time to work like do you are you cooking your lunch like where are you Mm. able to cook your lunch so even like those questions I would avoid in the workplace and I think for me it depended on you know one who in the office are you talking to is it your boss is it a partner is it a manager is it your peer 
And two, for any of those people, is their guard usually up? Mm. Have I heard rumors about them that makes me protective of myself and not want to share anything with them? Will whatever I share with them be used against me in some way? I actually found it very hard to be vulnerable in the office setting. Mm. And hopefully the culture has changed by now, but I feel Mm. like vulnerability was perceived as weakness. Mm. And it felt like when I was vulnerable, I became an easy target. And even if I shared that, you know, I binged a Netflix show or I went to New York to do a speaking event over the weekend for my podcast or that I was in K-Town the night before in a weekday singing karaoke and drinking and drinking soju like minds would be spinning Mm. and it's because in certain work cultures like the one I was in work always 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 came first one of my managers literally had her water break while giving a presentation like (sighs) work work came first okay and if I ended up taking on a little less work say 45 hours of work a week, and I'm not even joking about this. If I take on 45 hours of work in a 40-hour work week and not 55 hours during busy season, people will talk and say, oh, it's because Helen's watching Netflix. It's because Helen's too busy with her podcast, which had happened, by the way. I did get reprimanded for taking my vacation time to go to a speaking event in New York. It's just, Mm. it it is somewhat of a toxic environment. I Mm. could not bring my full self to work. I could not have these authentic small talk conversations and it was just the culture and the nature of the type of work that we were doing and the hours that we were forced to meet um i mean it was very efficient i learned a lot i worked really hard i worked with some of the smartest people but i couldn't slip and sometimes Mm. you know when you did put your guard down your walls down and you overshare at work during these water cooler conversations that could literally end up in your report somehow if it gets into the wrong ears so I feel like it was easier for me not to share much Mm. about my personal life Mm. because of these reasons. And so when you ask, like, what topics, what hobbies, what did you talk about? I was like, I don't know. I can't. I don't don't know. It's it's a hard Mm. question to answer, actually. It's just there's a lot of layers behind it. Thank you for sharing that, Helen. That's um, I feel like you painted a very like vivid picture of the culture of your work environment. And it brought up certain memories of periods where I've spent in similar kind of client serving uh, companies. Did you find yourself defaulting and talking about work or work projects? Or did you feel like even that was kind of like taboo you guys shouldn't be sharing? Because maybe it's like private client information. Yeah, I mean, it depended. We were pretty open about the different clients that we were working on. And it did usually end up being more work talk. And I feel like the Mm. way that you sort of bonded with people, and this is going to sound terrible, but it's usually, usually when you can talk about other people mm-hmm. to kind of complaining exactly it's like yeah, yeah. trauma bonding right i yeah. think that's something yeah, that yeah. we all yeah have heard before but that is felt like a way for me to get close to someone like when you can finally feel mm-hmm. like oh i can put my walls down they're putting their walls down we can talk about this stuff we're feeling this stuff so if you can actually talk to someone about it that's where you can actually bond and grow a deeper connection there and then and mm. then talk about more of your life personal life stuff Mm -hmm. um but i feel Mm. like before you get to that place it is very surface level it's just like oh where are you going for lunch what did you do over the weekend Mm -hmm. and you learn that you know people have vacation homes a lot of people like to golf a lot of kids have soccer practice and it's just it's very very (sighs) safe very safe talk yeah 
it's it's interesting like I think to hear you kind of recount that it does like I think in certain environments where you can bring up a topic like for example for me if, if I were in like the break room or whatever and I would bring up like oh I'm going on vacation to this place I could see how for some in some cultures and some more cultures like maybe yours it would be like questioning like why are you going on vacation mm-hmm. right and maybe yeah. the conversation would kind of stop there and you wouldn't really get to know them any deeper there have also been work environments I've been in where when I shared with someone oh I'm planning to go to London because in the work culture it was common for almost every employee to take at least one or two vacations during the year mm-hmm. that became like a way for me to connect with that person mm-hmm. and I actually found out the person I was talking to um, had lived in London. And he's like, oh, I have like a Google map with like all these different locations. Let me share it with you. Um, but listening to you describe your workplace and the culture, I think it really showcases like how much the culture and the industry that mm-hmm. you work in mm-hmm. really may dictate the types of conversations that will connect you to, you know, different people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for both of your work cultures, did you ever bring up that we had this side passion project, ABG, where we did have to take time off to go travel and do speaking events and things like that? Because I felt like I could never bring that up for mm-hmm. the for the reasons that I stated. Yeah. Oh, man. This actually reminds me of like when, when we first started having to bring up that conversation, I think. Well, and my 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 both my 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 last two corporate jobs, I feel like everyone was working on a passion project or they had something on the mm. side they were always mm. doing. And so when I brought up I was doing the podcast, it was more of an encouraging thing. And I think the mm. difference there's a lot of I mean, obviously, like kind of what you said, Helen, there's so many differences in our in our work cultures, in our industry. Like there's a sense of like competition a little bit you know where you're working because you're like comparing hours comparing workloads and I think when where I worked we never compared like work that was never something we really did it's kind of more like are you doing what you need to do with your like for your role yeah so there was never like that sense of like I cannot share like I could share because I had to um Mm -hmm. and I I, I, maybe it's just I wonder too because I I do think like trauma bonding as much as we want to admit or not I'm talking to a lot of my friends as how they connect with their coworkers. Like it is, you mm-hmm. you need an outlet at work to kind of vent or complain. You can't complain to your manager and be like, um, "You're stressing me out." Like that doesn't happen. And I feel yeah. like in my last two jobs, like the, the how I found like my work besties is literally the people I could cry to at work or I could vent to that wouldn't mm-hmm. judge me for crying and understand. So I feel Same. like yeah. there's a different type of that. I and I think maybe also the environments I worked in, um. It, it allowed for that space too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very so then, different so experience. So for both for both your jobs, you were able to bring up that you did have this side project and this passion project, ABG, that you were working on. Yeah. So there yeah. maybe there's a level of vulnerability, kind of like even with Jubilee. I mean, we're our brand is human empathy, so I feel like it's kind of there is it's built into our culture, it's our DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. How about for you, Janet? So I feel like I had both experiences um when I was at one company that was a little younger and the advertising company uh both Mm -hmm. advertising and a tech company it was encouraged that you had other projects so yeah it was often seen as a as a positive thing and I think the company saw it as like you brought in a different perspective Mm -hmm. and that you also like represent like if you if if other people in the public eye know that you work for them it looks good on them Mm -hmm. that you're doing creative projects right because that's what is helpful for the industry that of that but um later I I did join like a consultancy doing the same type of work but it's like a different industry and it was client driven at that point whenever people found out that I was doing a podcast it was like oh my god how are you doing that and working here Mm -hmm. like it it was very much that kind of environment where the expectation was that you were trying to bill a lot of client hours right and that that becomes like your hours doing anything else 
directly hurts the company mm. versus other industries they saw it as like it's supportive mm. wow yeah. i feel like i'm learning a lot this conversation too because you know one thing i actually hear both of you guys talk about in passing in the past that i personally never experienced working in like i know creative spaces have that too but you guys talk a lot about billable hours yep yeah and i only had that experience once in an internship i didn't realize that's something like i think that's another layer of how you guys are tracking your work and it's very public to the to the team mm-hmm. we never had to mm-hmm. track billable hours that was nothing we never like or my last job you never put in your in the system that that was as wasn't anything yeah that is a whole i feel like that could be a yeah. own <laughs> podcast but i i will say yeah, i agree with you janet that anything any company that is um client facing has billable hours i think that naturally will dictate the type of culture mm-hmm. that you're working in it's, yeah, yeah. It definitely frowns upon passion projects or anything else that mm. will take up your time. So, yeah, that's something it's like, yeah, I, I wish there were um, managers or managers were trained to encourage people to bring, you know, their sort of like best authentic selves to work and to encourage people to seek passions outside of the work so that they can be happy at work, too. Mm-hmm. That's something that... Um, I mean, I was a manager. That wasn't a training that we were given, but that's something that I would encourage now for other managers out there. I think it's important. Otherwise, you're going to have people who are just burnt out and mm-hmm. working, not watching TV, not not yeah. like eating their food. It's like you got to give them time to be a human. <laughs> yeah. And that oftentimes, like, they would develop skill sets in their side projects or side mm-hmm. hustles that they could actually bring to their job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of benefits, but... You know, pros and cons of both sides. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. So something that I feel like kind of worked um, when I first transferred offices to the LA office, I was very, very open, very social, very Helen, very like much a social butterfly and ready to bring my natural party vibe to the office. I had set up this K barbecue night, which was oh. so fun. Actually, everyone went out. We had about 30 plus people, I believe, from our group, which is a lot for like even the partners and everyone who had families to come out. We were drinking, eating. We're in K-Town. It was so nice. Um, and afterwards, one of my manager friends came up to me and was just like, oh, yeah, you're getting a fast rep as a party girl. Be careful. And I was like, what? And I just remember after that, I just shrank back into my shell. But... At the end of the day, people had fun and it was harmless. You know, happy hours happen very often. Not yeah. a lot of these like planned larger dinners. Um, but there was a part of me that definitely like started putting my guard back up mm-hmm. from that moment on. So mm-hmm. I feel like the culture really does train you to become a certain way. But I'm like, everyone is human. Let's just put our guards down and have fun and work hard. You know, you yeah. can do both. Um but that was, I feel like that that's always good. Just like group events where you can actually hang out and let your guard down mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, I joined the softball league for our for our group. And that was also fun. We were, I think we were drinking and playing. Um, but it's, that that's like an easy sport to just involve yourself in. Mm-hmm. If you don't play sports, if you don't um, know how to like, I feel like basketball is much more active involved. But softball is something that is easy. You just go up, try and hit a ball, run, you know, and anyone can be involved. So if you are out there and you're not sure how to engage with your peers, I feel like usually there are leagues like this, softball leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say to join that because that's a good way to bond with your peers. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's I think that's great advice is like something out of the office that is still team oriented because then you Mm -hmm. learn a lot about a person when you work with them 
or when you when you play with them essentially right or compete with them um in LA where you know that like entertainment and performance is really big something that's like maybe a little different than a sport might be um like dance mm-hmm. this was something that strangely enough in the tech media company that I that I worked in I somehow like on a Slack channel or something or in the coffee room, learned that one of like the, actually someone who had a pretty higher up role loved taking dance classes. And he kind of gathered a couple of us together. And for a couple of months, there were a group of like four or five of us that would go to classes together. Um, And this... It was kind of like a, a random thing, but it really helped us kind of like bond outside of outside of the workplace. Yeah. So that's kind of a tip is like if you have a hobby, maybe you can start whether it's like sports related or not. Um, it's a way to kind of meet and get to know people outside of work. Mm-hmm. Another tip I might have is when I started like kind of my first job in L.A., you know, I was coming from like San Francisco and I realized that. Um, one way to bond with people was to talk about the different destinations in the city that you work in, right? So um, within LA, there's a lot of like think like museums to visit or art galleries or restaurants to check out. So I noticed that people would kind of like talk about that. So if you work in like a metropolitan city, that's also maybe some way to mm-hmm. kind of like bond with people, especially if maybe you moved from a different you know, um, a different city into that new city. Uh, you can say like, yeah, you know, this weekend I checked out the Broad or I went to the Getty. Um, and that's, that's kind of some way to bond with people as well. Yeah. And let me think about something else real quick. And I, we kind of actually try to do this with our own Slack channel. Um, but I know a lot of companies now are definitely are online, you know, whether it's on zoom or like on mostly on Slack, but, um, I don't know if your company or if you're a manager that kind of has to give updates to your team, but I think one thing that we try to implement is we we do a weekly update, like how oh, this is what's going on with ABG. I think sometimes I always thought it's really cute when you pose a question like, um, "What did you do this weekend?" Answer in emojis, like that's just a little fun way to kind of get an insight into you know personalities of your team members or like find little like connections you can make. So I think on Slack there's creative ways to be a little bit more like engaging mm. i like mm. that that's cute because then you're not forcing someone to have a actual small talk conversation it's like just drop mm. an emoji you know low effort but yes. you're still engaged <laughs> yes Thanks for joining us in this conversation today. Uh, The three of us had a little walk down memory lane to, you know, those past years in our corporate jobs. Uh, We talked about the different types of water cooler conversations that you might have in each of our different industries. Whatever industry you work in, here are some other kind of last minute topics that, you know, we didn't necessarily have personal experience with, but we thought that it could also be helpful to bond with other people. One is uh, maybe the types of holidays that you celebrate. You know, we have... In the U.S., we have New Year, but then in in Asia, there's Lunar New Year. There is Kwanzaa. There is Diwali, Hanukkah, Ramadan. If there is a certain holiday that your culture celebrates and maybe other people in your office don't, it is also an opportunity if someone asks you, hey, what did you do over the weekend? And be like, hey, I celebrated um, Diwali with my family. Oh, and then you can even just offer and explain and share a little bit about that. Uh, Another topic is, I think Mel had mentioned this in general, but like big award shows. 
whether that's the Grammys or even like events in fashion like the Met Gala. You know, those are things that people that you don't necessarily have to watch. You can look for clips, you know, on news feeds. You can see what are the three best dressed, blah, blah, blah. It might give you a little bit of a sense, at least to understand if you are not talking about it, other people might be talking about it and it gives you a reference. These days, between remote work, in-office or hybrid situations, video calls and other technology, there are so many various touch points that can become a water cooler moment. Remember, when these seemingly small conversations arise, to try and embrace the opportunity to get to know that person a little bit better. Share a bit about yourself as well, if you're comfortable, and you may find that working together feels more trusting and smooth. We hope today's episode added to your arsenal of topics for your next conversation at work. Thanks for tuning in. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune into K Dreaming with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week, we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune into us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And until next time, Catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.